0: Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately, we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Dr. Alveda King. Dr. King is an evangelist, a pro-life advocate, civil rights activist, an actress and a producer, a songwriter, a mother and a grandmother. Dr. King, it is an honor to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Matt, to you and your viewers, your listeners. Hello, everyone.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much and definitely appreciate it. You have so many things going on in life. It, it is amazing to see all of the things that you've accomplished and all that you've been a part of. One thing that's really near and dear to your heart is the pro-life movement. And you've got a movie that's coming out called Roe v. Wade. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. People remark on how many things it seems that I'm able to accomplish. When I was in high school and college, I studied the Renaissance period and people were exploding with creativity. And they were excelling in different walks of life simultaneously. And that's how God has blessed me. At 70 years of age, I am the executive producer, one of the executive producers, to the new movie, Roe v. Wade, and it will be streaming on August 2nd, Good Friday. So I want to encourage everyone to make sure that you see it. an event that you'd like to have a private screening and rent out a theater or something and be COVID compliance and safe, of course, uh, you can go to uh, Roe v. Wade movie. I think it's roevwademovie.com. So as an executive producer, I was so excited to be invited to participate and to explain to people how important it is to find out how Roe v. Wade became law. And it's a bad law, in my opinion, but we let the viewers decide once they see the film.
0: Well, I think wow. it's a fantastic film and, you know, I got to see a, a pre-screener and it's it's so impactful to see how that came about with the behind the scenes efforts of the media and Hollywood to distort what was actually going on. And and push this agenda that America really didn't want, but they skewed statistics and they just they went with this narrative that, that it was so accepted that people just that they just went with this idea because it continued to be forced upon them. And and those things we're continuing to see today in so many areas of our lives. And it's um it's really eye-opening. And and I already knew that that I was opposed to you know, the law based on my stance on being pro-life, but it, it was very eye-opening to see the historical perspective of of how these things came about. So you have been a strong pro-life advocate for a long time. You're a part of the, the Silent No More Awareness campaign. You've got a testimony that has to do with this. Uh, share a little bit about that. I
1: sure will be happy to do that. My grandfather saved me from abortion in 1950. My mom was pregnant. Abortion was illegal, but you could get a DNC, an exploratory procedure, if you had discomfort. And they could see maybe try to figure out what was going on. So the DNCs were very prevalent before abortion became legal in America. My grandfather said, you can't do that. told my mother, I saw this is a little girl. I saw her in a dream three years ago. She has bright skin and bright red hair, and she's going to bless many people. And of course, I was bored with that description. And people always remarked on how much I look like my dad, Reverend A.D. King. Daddy and granddaddy were in full agreement that I was not to be aborted. And my mother agreed as well. So that was kind of a secret because nobody really discussed those things. And I became what they call a feminist in the 1960s into the 1970s. And I got married during that time. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed in 1968. My dad's brother, was actually killed in the same movement in 1969. So I would invite people to check out the life of Reverend A.D. King. And uh, I was married, had a baby. I had a doctor that was affiliated with Planned Parenthood. But back in those days, that seemed like a good thing because Planned Parenthood was promising to help the Negro community. We were called Negroes back then. So uh, I was encouraged uh, to go to Planned Parenthood for advice. I had two abortions during that time. Abortion became legal on my birthday, January 22nd, uh, 1973. So I ended up being a feminist with two abortions and a miscarriage because my body was damaged during the abortions. And then fast forward really quickly, 1983, I became a born-again Christian. And uh, during that time in the 70s, my grandfather convinced me not to abort another child. So I birthed six children and I have 11 grandchildren right now. I became pro-life when I was born again in 1983, and I began to be a voice for life, and I'm still a voice for life today. And this is the question. I'll say it this way. A woman has a right to choose what she does with her body. The baby's not her body. Where's the lawyer for the baby? How can the dream survive if we murder our children?
0: Hmm. Wow, that is, uh, first of all, it's powerful testimony and, and I think that it's testimony of, of many things. You didn't know what you were doing at the time that you did those things. And then once you realized, you know, God's grace and forgiveness and, and the things yes, that I were repented. available to you.
1: Yes, yes. And we didn't. Back then, they said they didn't even know if it was a baby. It was a blob of tissue. They told my mother I was a lump of flesh. Granddad said, no, that's a baby. <laughs> and so science finally caught up with what everybody should have known. And with these 3 and 4D ultrasounds, there's no doubt that it's the baby from conception. Science proves it now, but it was always true.
0: Well, it definitely was. And, and I know that I've got two little daughters myself, uh, 11 and 7 this Saturday, and uh, seeing those you know, 3D and 4D ultrasounds were amazing. And there was no doubt when they came out, they looked identical. And so That's the right. only I mean, difference the was
1: yeah. Yeah. the flesh
0: of the mother that that was concealing them from you know us being able to see them on the outside. And so I agree with you 100 yeah. percent. I believe that yeah. everybody ought to be able to make their own decisions for themselves. But that child has rights as well. And that child yes. has a voice and nobody gets to speak for that child. So when taking on this movie, what. What made you decide that, that this movie had to be produced and, and it had to be seen the way that, that it's been done?
1: The creator and director, Nick Loeb, contacted me. His associate is his uh, co-director, Kathy Alwyn. And when I talked to them, I realized that it was very important that people be able to make decisions with all the facts. And I knew right away that it was a very significant story. And uh, I portray in the movie, actually, because people don't know, but I've been in media and entertainment for over 50 years. And uh, I've been in movies, stage plays, uh, and talk shows. I'm on Fox Nation right now and Fox News and all that. So I had the background, along with the testimony, to support the project. And I was very honored that they invited me. I portrayed the mother of Dr. Mildred Faye Jefferson, the first, in her words, Negro woman to graduate from Harvard Medical School. And she was the second president, I think, of National Right to Life. And for the rest of her life, she fought very hard for these truths. So I thought it was a good testimony, testament, opportunity to set a record straight. And I'm very grateful to have been included in the process.
0: Well, you all did a wonderful job. And and it is a movie that I would highly encourage everyone to see and it it is so powerful to see the perspective of you know that the doctor thought that he was doing the right thing for such a long time, and he really believed you know number one, he was making a lot of money, but number mm-hmm. two, he thought that that there was no issue with it nicknamed the scraper, he you know championed that process and and taught people how to do it so that they could expedite the process and you know kill as many babies Everybody as he saw his own
1: baby, his own daughter, you see and- and and when he saw that, and he had an awakening, and he repented and became a, a voice for life, and um, so it's a testimony to that too—the redemptive uh, features, how God can come into lives and make that difference.
0: Absolutely, and I, I think that you know people need to hear your story as well. That you know we all make mistakes, and we are all. We're all sinners that were saved by grace. And so mm-hmm. even somebody who has been down that path of making a decision that that you were unaware of mm-hmm. that, that you, what the magnitude of that decision looked like, that there's still hope, there's still grace, there's still love, and there's still the ability to turn from that and, and come back and go a different way. And so I, I think that more people need to hear from, from people that, that have been in those shoes, not just, mm-hmm. you know, standing there condemning somebody when they've never been in that situation themselves. So I think that that's extremely impactful. You're a very strong and courageous woman and your ability to stand up for the things that a lot of other people aren't willing to stand up for is extremely inspiring. And you know, there's got to be a lot of pushback from friends, family, people in your community, because you don't think like everybody else. You don't. like everybody else, you, you oppose a lot of the things that are the general narrative for a lot of people in the black community. And, you know, how much pushback do you get for the, the stances that you have taken and, you know, the, the conservative stance that you have in your life?
1: I have received pushback. The rewards are greater every day. I see people beginning to choose life from not only the work that I do, but what we all do in the pro-life community and been able to reproduce and that's one thing about life it begets life and jesus is the way the truth and the life you know and so my goddaughter angela stanton king for example now has her own pro-life voice and she has babies that she's safe so and my own children and even grandchildren now We've been in the business of saying when people are expecting uh, pregnant, the baby's already there. It's just in the womb. Uh, you don't have to abort a baby. We'll help you. And we've been doing that for many, many years. So the rewards far out, outweigh the other things. It's, you know, it's not pleasant to have to have people call your names and all that. But to see them come back later and say, well, actually, you were right. And uh, mm. there's a... a Coming to America part two. I don't know if you're aware of the Coming to America. Oh, yeah. But I love love the first one. And I inspired that. If you can Google, uh, go go to AlvedaKing.com and look at the book, Arab Heart. But anyway, Eddie Murphy got that idea from me. And in Coming to America, too, it's so fascinating. I said, maybe a little bit of me rubbed off on y'all again, (sighs) because there was uh, a one night stand and an unexpected pregnancy in the movie. And it had a good outcome, you know? And so I chuckled about that. So you find that in your walk, there are going to be opportunities where you can find out that people are listening even when they don't seem to.
0: Well, that's uh that's a very good point. And let me ask you this. With the your your uncle was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and and from that standpoint, you know, a lot of his teachings, obviously they were biblically based, but you know, he talked about judging a man by the content of his character, not the color of his skin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where we are today with, you know, all the stuff that happened this past summer and in this push with the Black Lives Matter movement, things of that nature. How far has that come from, you know, what he originally intended and, and what, you know, your father originally intended and so many other great civil rights leaders? How far has that movement shifted from the direction they originally intended to, you know, what we see today.
1: It is human nature for us to wander away from God and have to be drawn back to God. And Martin Luther King Jr., my dad, Reverend A.D. King, my granddaddy, Martin Luther King Sr. And I write about all these experiences in several of my books as well. But uh, when we go away from God after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and then my dad was killed in the same movement the next year, my grandmother was shot playing the organ in the 70s um, at Ebenezer Baptist Church. So our family, always the legacy is God, agape love, prayer, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the legacy of the King family. But when you go away, when Martin was killed, the movement shifted to just they, they kept the part about laws and boycotts and voting we need to get back to God. And remember that the focus of a successful movement spiritually has to be founded in God. So the shift will reverse again when people come back to God. And so that's always my message. And in every generation, that message comes up in our legacy. So I'm the message bearer in this generation.
0: I absolutely agree that all the issues that we're facing in this country without him, without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. But with him, mm-hmm. there's eternal hope.
1: It's yeah, well, Jesus is Lord. So people have to remember that. And I am a Christian evangelist. So I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in everything I do, whether it's in film, song, um, pro-life efforts, everything that I do is
0: going to always point back to the Lord. That's fantastic. We need more people to be doing that same thing. So how do you encourage people to share their faith as as you do so often?
1: We encourage each other. And as we do that, when we speak kindly and truthfully and repentantly to each other in every area of our lives, everybody has a dominion territory. And somebody says, well, I live alone and I never this or that. Well, you meet people, you encounter people in your lives. And so we start there and then let God help us grow in our abilities to spread good news. So we just should encourage you to each other speak truth to power, but do it in love and kindness.
0: Absolutely agree. Well, Dr. King, it has been an honor to have you here today. And may God continue to bless you in all of your efforts. And, and thank you so much for for all of the things that you're doing to to glorify him. Thank you. God bless. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us today and check us out again next time on Living Life On Purpose.